book four chapter one of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah grand book four the tenor and the boy an interlude his words are bonds his oaths are oracles his love sincere his thoughts immaculate his tears pure messengers sent from his heart his heart as far from fraud as heaven from earth two gentlemen of verona chapter one morning quest with the sunset glow upon it might have made you think of arthur's dim rich city but morning quest had already flourished a thousand years longer than caerlon and was just as many times more wicked and it was known to be so although not a tithe of the crimes committed in it were ever brought to light but even of those which were known and recorded no man could have told you the half so great was their number of course as the place was wicked the doctors were well to the fore combating the wages of sin gallantly and the lawyers also needless to say were busy and so too were the clergy in their own way ecclesiasticism being well worked christianity however was much neglected so that for the most part the devil went unmolested in morning quest and had a good time there were seventy-five churches besides the cathedral within the city boundary and a large sprinkling of religious sects of all denominations which caused ferment enough to prevent stagnation and of course where so many churches were the clergy swarmed and were made the subject of the unusual well-worn pleasantries if you asked what good they were doing you would hear that nobody knew but you would also be assured that at all events they were as a rule too busy about candles and vestments and what not of that kind of thing discussing such questions with heat enough to convince any one that the lord in heaven cares greatly about the use of one god more or less in his service to do much harm but upon the whole the attitude of the citizens toward the clergy was friendly and unexacting if nobody heeded them much nobody opposed them much either so that as in any other profession they enjoyed the liberty of earning their livelihood in their own way the people considered them without reverence as part of the population merely their services were accepted as a necessity in the regular routine of life as bread and butter was and doubtless they did good in some such way although the one was as much forgotten as the other before it was well assimilated if the citizens mentioned their teaching at all it was merely to repeat what they said of the clergy themselves that it did no harm this was a pleasantry of which they never wearied but sometimes they would add to it another article of their faith the lord is gracious they would declare and when he sends dull preachers he mercifully sends sleep also to comfort his afflicted people so the preachers preached and their congregation slumbered tranquilly and everybody was satisfied if the clergy squabbled amongst themselves and with their church wardens their fellow-citizens were rather grateful to them than otherwise for varying the monotony so that they were encouraged to wage their internecine combats to their hearts content and when these lapsed and they let each other alone 
it was always interesting to see how they turned upon the bishop but nobody was disturbed for in such a sleepy old place and the respectable part of it was sleepy men habitually viewed the vagaries of their friends with smiling tolerance and if they comment upon them at all it is without bitterness in general history there are always events as there are people that take prominent places and attract attention long after similar events are buried and forgotten they owe their vitality less to their importance perhaps than to some gleam of poetry pathos or romance which distinguishes the actors in them and most old places have a pet tragedy amongst their traditions but morning quest was an exception to this rule for although it had its particular tragedy it was quite a new one from the first however it was easy enough to foresee that this one event of all the sorrowful things which had happened in that bad old place having as it were every desirable requirement of time setting and person to invest it with a proper permanent and most pathetic interest was the likeliest one to be remembered morning quest was a city of singers and the citizens were proud of their cathedral choir which was chiefly recruited from amongst themselves there being a succession of exquisite boy voices constantly forthcoming to awaken the slumbering echoes in the ancient pile and the sweet old sentiments in the people's hearts some of the lay clerks had been choristers themselves and amongst them was one who had been especially noted as a boy for his bird-like trouble it seemed a thousand pities when it broke but as he reached maturity he found himself able to sing again and eventually he developed a very true if not very powerful tenor voice and rose in time to be the leading tenor in the choir people had flocked to hear him sing in his childhood and as they still came it was natural that he should continue to think himself the attraction and also natural that he should be somewhat puffed up in consequence he wore a moustache he wore a ring he put on airs he scented his pocket handkerchiefs he ogled the pretty ladies in the cannon's pew like an officer but he was an orphan and had a poor old kinswoman depending upon him and kept her well he was harmless he never did anyone an ill turn nor said an evil thing and he could sing so that taken all round his good qualities outweighed his weaknesses and he was duly allowed the measure of praise and respect which he earned but his rings and his sense and his affectations generally covered a secret ambition he wanted to be more than a tenor in the choir he wanted to be an opera singer and he entered into negotiations with a london impresario he did so secretly being fearful of discouragement and also because he wished to surprise his friends and when a personal interview became necessary he did not ask for the means to make the journey he had the management of the choir funds and there being a surplus in his hands at the moment he made use of the money borrowing it in perfect good faith and honestly sure that he would be able to repay it before it was required of him had he succeeded the money would have been returned at once but alas he did not succeed the money was spent his hopes were shattered and his honest career was at an end if only he had come to me the matter might have been put right 
the dean said and he publicly reproached himself for not knowing the hearts of his people better so that he might have entered with sympathy into their lives and won their confidence the tenor ought to have trusted him but he never thought of such a thing he was a poor crushed creature and had abandoned hope but he went back to morning quest nevertheless indeed where else could he go he knew no other place and had never a friend elsewhere in the world so he went back mechanically and he went to the cathedral and there he hid himself and there three times a day for three days he looked down from the clear story himself unseen looked into the faces he knew so well faces which had been friendly faces eyes that had watched him kindly all his life and out there in the cold he followed the services at which he had been wont to assist taking a leading part almost so long as he could remember and there in the grim solitude by day and the added horror of ghostly darkness by night he lived on thought and suffered his agony of remorse and the minor miseries of cold and hunger and thirst till the need of endurance ceased to be felt and then amid the misty morning grayness of the fourth day he hanged himself from a ladder left by some workmen engaged in repairs by whom his body was afterward found desecrating the sacred precincts these are the materials out of which morning quest wove its pet tragedy the event happened at the beginning of that important year which the heavenly twins spent with their grandfather at morn and doubtless they heard all about it but being very much occupied with a variety of absorbing interests at the time it did not make any particular impression upon them it was brought home to them eventually however when it might have been considered an old story but it had not become so then in anybody's estimation nor has it since because of the pity of it which lent the pathetic interest that makes a story deathless and ageless the subtle something which influences to better moods and from which the years as they pass do not detract but rather pay it the tribute of an occasional addition thereto by which its hope of immortality is greatly strengthened after the tenor's death the difficulty had been who should succeed him there was nobody immediately forthcoming and this had put the dean and chapter in a fix for it happened that there were services of particular importance going on in the cathedral at the time to which strangers flocked from a distance and it was felt that it would never do to disappoint them of their music so on the morning of the great day of all after the early service the dean the precentor and the organist having doffed their surplices returned to the choir and stood for some time beside the brazen lectern discussing the subject while they were so engaged a gentleman came up to the dean and after making a graceful apology for the intrusion explained that he had heard of their difficulty and begged to be allowed to sing the tenor part and a solo at the afternoon service the dean looked doubtful the precentor judging by the stranger's appearance and tone that he might be somebody was inclined to be obsequious the organist struck a neutral attitude and stood by ready to agree to anything i can sing the applicant said modestly answering the doubt he saw in the dean's demeanour although i confess that i have not been doing so lately i think i may venture to promise however that i shall not at all events 
spoil the surface well sir the dean replied if you can help us you will really be putting us under a great obligation for we are in a most awkward dilemma what do you say mr precentor i should say as the organist is here if this gentleman would try his part this morning that is what i was about to suggest the stranger interposed the precentor found the music the organist retired to his instrument the dean took a seat and the stranger sang when he paused the dean arose i thank you sir he said with effusion and i gratefully accept your offer the stranger bowed to his little audience returned the music and left the building he was a young man tall and striking in appearance clean-shaven with delicate features dark dreamy gray eyes and a tumbled mop of golden hair innocent of parting he was well dressed but his clothes hung upon him loosely as if he had grown thinner since they were made his face was pale too and pinched in appearance and his movements were languid giving him altogether the air of a man just recovering from some serious illness that he was a gentleman no one would have doubted for a moment nor would they have been surprised to hear that he was a great man in the sense of being a peer or something of that kind for there was that indefinable something in his look and bearing which people call aristocratic and his manner was calm and assured like that of a well-bred man of the world accustomed to good society the people who flocked to the afternoon service that day regarded him with much curiosity and he was certainly unlike any one whom they had hitherto seen in the choir a surplice had been found for him and the dead white contrasted well with the brightness of his hair and made the refined beauty of his face even more remarkable than it had been in his morning dress sitting with the lay clerks behind the choristers he looked like the representative of another and a higher race and even those of them whose personal attractions had hitherto been considered more than merely passable when they appeared beside him were suddenly seen to be hopelessly commonplace but although the interest he excited was evident enough it was equally evident that he himself remained quite unaware of it in his whole bearing there was not the slightest assumption he entered with the choir and might have been in the habit of doing so all his life so perfectly unconscious did he seem of anything new or strange in the position as soon as he was seated without even glancing at the people he had taken up his music and continued lost in the study of it until the service opened and then he sang his part with ease and precision which however attracted less attention at the moment than his appearance the rest of the choir animated by his presence exerted themselves to the utmost but were too delighted with their own performances to think much of his before the solo began then however they awoke the first note he uttered was a long crescendo of such rich volume and so sweet that the people held their breath and looked up this world recedes it disappears heaven opens my eyes my ears with sounds seraphic ring lend lend your wings i mount i fly o grave where is thy victory o death where is thy sting it was as if a delicious spell had been cast upon the congregation 
which held them bound until the last note of the exquisite voice even the last reverberation of the organ accompaniment had trembled into silence and then there was a movement a flutter a great sigh of relief heaved so to speak as if the pleasure had been too great and nerves and senses were glad to be released from the tension of it the tenor was slightly flushed when he resumed his seat but otherwise his face was as serenely impassive as ever it is some great singer from abroad the people whispered to each other he is used to every kind of success and does not even trouble himself to see if we are pleased he has sung doubtless to gratify some whim of his own such artists are capricious folk to which the answer was long may such whims continue after the service the dean hastened to thank the stranger he shook his hand with emotion and congratulated him upon his marvellous gift may i ask if you are a professional singer the old gentleman said not yet was the answer but i wish to offer myself for the vacant post of tenor in the choir if you are satisfied with my attainments the dean stared at him oh ah uh, he stammered in his surprise and then he added something apologetically about references and being obliged to ask a few questions if you have the time to spare i think i can satisfy you now the stranger answered the dean perceiving that he wished to speak to him alone bowed courteously and requested the applicant to accompany him to the deanery the precentor who had assisted at the interview up to this point now watched them depart and as he did so he pursed up his lips significantly the stranger had sunk in his estimation from the possible rank of a russian prince to that of a simple singer a considerable drop but the precentor was a musician and he asserted that the voice was of the finest quality and trained to perfection he wanted to know however what could bring a man with a fortune like that in his throat to bury himself alive in morning quest and he ventured to predict that it must be something fishy the stranger had a long private interview with the dean but what transpired thereat was never made public it was known however that when he left the deanery the dean himself accompanied him to the door and there shook hands with him cordially and it was immediately afterward announced that mr jones was to be the new tenor mr jones indeed said morningquest sarcastically as much jones as the bishop and the precentor was sure that the dean had been taken in by a clever impostor which would not have been the case he asserted if the matter had been referred to him as it ought to have been but morningquest declared that there was no imposition about that voice and as to antecedents why it was absurd to be too particular when everything else was so entirely satisfactory there happened to be a tiny tenement in the close vacant when the new lay clerk began his duties as tenor in the choir and this he took it was a detached house one of a row which faced the apse on the south side of the cathedral one step led down from the road into the little front garden and another from that into the house which was thus two steps below the road in front but was level with the garden at the back the passage ran right through the house the garden door being opposite the front door 
the kitchen was behind a little sitting-room on the right as you entered and on the left were two other rooms when the tenor took the house the one looking into the back garden the other into the front but these two rooms he immediately turned into one by having the dividing wall removed and together they made a long low but comfortably proportioned apartment with a french window at either end the tenor spent all his spare time when he first arrived in decorating this room making work for himself as the people said and indeed that was just what he seemed to be doing for he worked as a man does who feels that he ought to be occupied but he takes no pleasure and finds no relief in any occupation he frescoed the walls and ceiling of his room with admirable taste and skill making it look twice the size by cunning divisions of the pattern on the walls and by the well-devised proportions of dado and cornice the dean often went to watch him at his work and sat on a packing-case the only article which the room contained at the time by the hour together talking to him a circumstance which taken with the fact that other gentlemen in the neighbourhood also called upon him and lingered long on the premises greatly exercised the inquisitive minds of the multitude especially when it was perceived that the tenor instead of being elated by their condescension accepted it as a matter of course and continued always the same sad preoccupied impassive seldom smiling never surprised taking no healthy interest in anything when the painting was finished furniture began to arrive and this was another surprise for the close where houses were not adorned with the designs of any one period but were filled with a heterogeneous collection of articles generally aged and remarkably uncouth everything in the tenor's long low room on the contrary even down to the shape of the brass coal scuttle and including the case of the grand piano was in harmony with the colour and design of the frescoes on the walls and ceiling the floor which was polished being adorned here and there with rugs which suggested dim reflections of the tint and tone above it was a luxurious apartment but not effeminate the luxury was masculine luxury refined and significant there was no meaningless feminine fripperies about nor was there any evidence of sensuous self-indulgence it was the abode of a cultivated man but of one who was essentially manly withal the fame of this apartment having been noised abroad the precentor came one day to inspect it there is no need to describe this precentor one knows exactly what a man must be who calls things fishy he was an ordained clergyman but not at all benevolent neither was he a christian for he did not love his neighbour as himself and his visit on this occasion was anything but friendly in intention he was determined to know something more about the tenor he said and he meant to question him his theory was that the tenor had been a public singer but had disgraced himself and was unable to appear again in consequence and on this supposition he intended to proceed he found the tenor with his hat in his hand on the point of leaving the house but the precentor was not delicate about detaining him he walked into the sitting-room without waiting to be asked pried impertinently into everything and then sat down 
the tenor meantime had remained standing with his hat in his hand patiently waiting and he still stood but the precentor did not take the hint you are an opera singer i think you said he remarked as soon as he was seated the tenor looked at him inquiringly or was it concerts he suggested a trifle disconcerted the tenor looked gravely amused it was not the music halls of course the presenter persuasively insinuated well hardly said the tenor fixing his steady eyes upon the man in a way that made him wince i have some business to attend to in the town he added pray make yourself at home so long as it pleases you to remain with which he brushed his hand back over his glossy hair put on his hat and sauntered out leaving his gentle guest to ruminate the interest which the tenor had begun by exciting in the breasts of the quiet inhabitants of morningquest did not diminish all at once as might have been expected he was only a lay clerk to be sure but then he was so utterly unlike any other lay clerk he was always so carefully dressed for one thing and maintained so successfully that suggestion of good breeding which had been their first impression of him was altogether so distinguished in appearance that it was a pleasure to hear strangers exclaim who is that and to be able to surprise them with the off-hand rejoinder oh that is only our tenor then he was a stranger from nobody knew where he went by the name of jones which was not believed to be his he had a magnificent voice and he remained in morning quest in an obscure position making nothing of it true he must have means but what after all were the means which he appeared to possess compared with the means which he might be enjoying and further and this was considered the most extraordinary circumstance of all there was his attitude in the cathedral he followed the services devoutly and such a thing as attention let alone devotion on the part of a lay clerk had never been heard of in morning quest there was not even a remote tradition in existence to prepare anybody's mind for such a contingency so that altogether the man was a mystery a mystery however toward which the kindly people were well disposed and no wonder for the tenor's manners were as attractive as his appearance and his ways were not at all mysterious when considered apart from the points already indicated but on the contrary simple in the extreme the ways of one who is kindly courteous and considerate on all occasions paying proper respect to every man and also rigorously exacting from each the respect that was due to himself he would always see people who called upon him and though it was believed that he would rather not have been disturbed he was too much of a gentleman to show it in fact it was agreed that he was a gentleman before everything and not at all like a jones and therefore acting on some instinctive perception of the fitness of things the citizens dropped the offensive appellation altogether and called him the tenor simply as they might have called him the duke there was at first a good deal of wonder as to where the money came from with which he furnished his little house in the clothes how did he manage to buy so many books and pictures and how could he afford to give so much away in charity 
for it was known beyond a doubt that he had on more than one occasion relieved the families of the other singers and had relieved them too in a most substantial way it was evident that he had means but if he had means why did he sing in the choir this question was the alpha and omega of ale that concerned him it was asked everywhere and by everybody but no one could answer it save the dean who was not to be approached upon the subject finally however people grew tired of forming conjectures which were neither denied nor affirmed and becoming accustomed to the tenor's presence amongst them they ceased as a regular thing to discuss his affairs but this was not the case until a story had been circulated about him which was generally believed although nobody knew from whence it emanated he was according to the story the illegitimate son of an actress and some great in the sense of having a title man from whom he inherited his aristocratic appearance and a small income his mother it was said had been an opera singer which accounted for his voice and shame they declared on the discovery of his birth had driven him into his present retirement and caused him to renounce the world as this story accounted in the most satisfactory manner for all that was strange about him it was regarded in every respect as authentic and after the wickedness of titled men and the frailty of acting women had been freely commented upon with much sage shaking of the head as if only titled men were wicked and acting women frail and morning quest itself was a saintly city innocent of any deed not strictly in accordance with its word the matter was allowed to drop and the tenor was left to go gang his ain gate which he would have done in any case probably but which he continued to do in a quiet earnest regular way that won him a friendly feeling from most men and more than his share of sympathy and attention from the good women who had not self-love enough to be wounded by his indifference unsophisticated little maidens just budding into womanhood would peep after him shyly from the old-fashioned houses sometimes and would feel in their tender little hearts a gentle pity for one who was so handsome and so unfortunate like the true hero of romance he was believed by them to be supremely unhappy and all they asked was to be allowed to comfort him but he noticed none of them and so the little maidens blushed at first for having thought of him at all and then forgot him for somebody else or if the somebody else did not come quickly they began to regard the tenor with a totally different feeling almost as if he had wronged them in some way but the tenor continued to gang his ain gait and was alike indifferent to their pity or their spite his little house like most of those in the close had an old walled garden behind it a large garden for the size of the house and so sheltered that many things grew there which would not grow elsewhere in the open the house itself was picturesque on that side having a bright south aspect favorable to the growth of creepers with which it was thickly covered jasmine clematis honeysuckle and roses succeeding each other in their regular order and the garden was always full of flowers it was here that the tenor spent much of his time hard at work he had evidently a passion for flowers and was a most successful gardener 
the conservatory and orchid house which he had built soon after his arrival being always lovely even in the winter the building of these two houses was considered an extravagance and had caused the clothes to point the finger at him for a while but when some one declared that the unfortunate tenor had probably inherited much of his mother's recklessness and was not therefore responsible as other people were the suggestion was considered reasonable enough and from that time forward the tenor's expensive tastes were held to be separate matter for commiseration the truth being that morning quest could not bear to be on bad terms with the tenor and would have found an excuse for him had he outraged the best preserved prejudices it ever held it was only necessary to glance at the tenor's books to perceive that he was a student many valuable works in many languages were scattered about his house and it was a well-known fact that he spent much of his leisure in poring over these to what end his studies might be directed no one of course could tell but it was assumed that he had acquired a respectable amount of knowledge from the fact that the dean himself a learned man delighted not a little in his conversation when this fact had been fully ascertained by careful observation smouldering curiosity blazed up afresh and surmise was once more busy with the tenor's name did he write for the magazines they wondered it seemed likely enough for it was notorious in morning quest that people who did that kind of thing were not like the rest of the world and it soon came to pass that certain articles relating to various things such as drainage deep-sea fishery the coinage of greece competitive examinations in china and essays on other subjects likely to interest an artistic man were confidently assumed to be his and the shy little girls in the old-fashioned houses who never looked at anything in the magazines but the pictures and the poetry were wont to credit him with certain passionate lays from which they got quite new ideas of eyes and eyes and sighs and other striking rhymes to the musical meters which made their little hearts throb pleasurably but nothing more definite was known of the tenor's labors than was known of anything else concerning him and fortunately for himself there was that in his bearing which preserved him from being personally annoyed by impertinent curiosity so that he was most probably pretty nearly the only person in the city who had no idea of the interest he himself excited two years had glided by in great apparent tranquillity since the day the tenor entered the choir two years during which he had trodden the path of life so uprightly and so purely that not even a suspicion of wrong-doing was ever breathed against him by gentle or simple good or bad it was a calm and passionless existence that he led the life of an ascetic but of a cultivated ascetic devoted to the highest intellectual pursuits and actuated by the belief that their value consisted not in their market price nor in the amount of attention called fame which they might attract to himself but in the pleasure they gave and in the good they did many a weary man whose life had been wasted in the toil of bringing himself before the world when he had reached the summit of his ambition might well have envied the tenor his placid countenance and untroubled lot 
some might even have perceived that there was more of poetry than of commonplace in the quiet life which glided on so evenly soothed by the cathedral services cheered by the chime and guarded by the shadow of its grey protecting walls the tenor's cheeks had been haggard and worn when he first settled in morning quest and dark circles round his eyes had betokened sleepless nights and the ceaseless gnawing ache of a great grief but all that had passed as the days wore on giving place to a settled expression of peace peace tinged with a certain sadness but dignified by resignation gradually too although he remained slender he ceased to be emaciated and his cheeks assumed a healthy hue that very well became them End of book four, chapter one